like to take these verses that we just read, Proverbs 22, 1-7, and quickly say something about the first six, and then park on verse 7. And I actually pulled a few of my favorite Ramsey clips on that seventh one. But let's talk about each of them, because there are some things that are important for us to draw out, especially on this first of our three or four part series that we're going to do on finances. First of all, in verse one, it says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. So our first statement, well, that came out quite different on the screen, but that's okay. You just try to look at that. I had a real light background, but it's coming out real dark. You probably can't do anything up there, even if you got rid of the background. No, that's okay. Leave it as is, no matter. Our first statement would be this, money matters, but other things matter more. And so I said right from the outset, let's not lionize money and make it the most important thing, but let's not do the opposite and discount it altogether. Always remember this, that there are things that are more important. Salvation cannot be purchased. Amen. I'll be poor, I'll have no wealth at all, but know that I'm going to heaven forever. That's much more important. The preaching of the gospel simply, clearly, repeatedly is more important. Having contentment, contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. You could find one thing after another, a good name, having a good reputation, standing for something, having a good testimony, that's more valuable than money any day of the week. And by holding on to that truth at all times, it can be like fence posts that keep us from being tempted. Money is so important. I could fudge this or draw outside of the lines, so to speak, with scriptures. It's very important. Money matters, but other things matter more. Number two, in verse two, each one of these statements will be drawn from from a verse. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is maker of them all. I drew this statement related to that. Money can give you wealth, but not worth. You see, when I realized I piled up all this debt and I didn't know how we were going to pull off uh, having the funeral for Emmy's mom in a fitting way, in a proper way for who she was there in the village and all those kind of things. And all that was piling on and I had to ask my son, my sense of worth just plummeted in that. And, you know, I was off base there. Yes, I carried a lot of that, and the Lord used it for good. I want us to understand as we go through this this teaching, and we have that, if there are people in here, and you handle money well, and you're positioned well, and your 401k is doing well, even at the time when our returns are not as great, or you've got this, or you've got that, and your financial worth might be greater than other people's in the church, that does not mean your personal worth is. Financial worth is not equal to personal worth. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord isn't going to favor the one who handled money real very well and not the one who didn't. 
on the day of judgment or in his dealings with them. The Lord is maker of them all. And so if you are experiencing financial distress at this time, if you're looking at your own finances and saying, I've been stressed out about it, I'm worried about it, I feel like I haven't handled things well, some of the mess that I have is of my own making and I haven't received wisdom before or this or that, that has nothing to do with who you are before God. And so don't let the devil get on your shoulder. Don't let him whisper in your ear that somehow because you haven't been doing this that you are worthless. Your personal worth is not tied to your finances. And so it goes both ways. You can, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Number three, in verse three, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Money dangers demand defensive strategies. We're going to have to understand this, that there is danger all around. Now, this verse is not, does not seem to be directly related to money. It's just a wise saying, but I think it's very applicable. There are money dangers all over. Every college student who gets onto campus is going to start getting targeted that you need to get this credit card or you need to do that. You have to build up your credit score. You have to do this and be drawn in. There are traps all over with money. Marketers are going after you every day. The salesman is going after you every day. There are dangers related to money, dangers to not understanding it, to over-spiritualizing it, to minimizing it, to de- demonizing it and all the traps that come with it and we need to educate ourselves and learn more about it when I had that accident and the next day I went and bought a car and praise God I was in a position we were in a position by God's grace and by uh, application of his principles to just be able to go out and buy a car with no loan and with no debt and with no financing and with any of that to God be the glory I'm not bragging about anything but I want to tell you after going to all those different dealers and I'd been looking at a whole bunch of prices beforehand anywhere, anyway, not, even, not knowing why I was helping my kids and was interested in it, not knowing that my car would get totaled. And I went in there, and let me tell you what, they try every trick in the book, but because I had studied it and been trained, I was recognizing what was going on, and I just used the techniques. And as he was saying this, and Carol was with me. Carol was trying to get me to buy the $56,000 pickup truck. What a great help she was there. I didn't go that way. And they were going to sell it for this price. And now, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Well, you could go down in car and we have a used car. No, no, I'm interested in that car, but I know that you could bring that way down. I just can't bring it down. I said, I understand. Thank you. Carol, let's go back to Toyota. Well, just, just wait a minute. I think I could do this. And well, if we calculate this and we can do, you know what I can do? I could bring it down to this. I said, ah, thank you, but we're not anywhere near the price. Mm, maybe I can do, I can't go any lower than this, you know, pulling all that stuff out. Boy, if I did, if I go any lower than this, I'd lose my job. Mm-hmm. Feeling so sorry for you, buddy. I said, oh, I understand. Okay but thank you so much for taking all the time. Wait a minute. Let me just go ask my manager and see what he's going to say. And he came back. Well, the manager said we can do this. And I said one last time, Carol, why don't we go? Oh, you're killing me, he says. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can see you're dying. You're about to sell a car. I said, if we don't get it under this price, it's just out of my budget. 
And I'm just not going to do that today, but I really do thank you for taking all that time. Let me go talk to my manager one more time. I don't even know if the manager was there. The manager never came out. He probably went back and got himself a Diet Coke or something back there and then came out. And he came out, and I got a car for more than 4000 less than they were trying to sell it. You have to develop some defensive strategies, not to be sucked in by the marketing that's going on all around and develop that. See, the prudent sees danger and hides himself. The prudent understands you don't need every insurance in the book they try to sell you. They're always going to try to sell you insurance on everything. If you want to buy a toaster, go ahead and buy your toaster. You don't need insurance on it. Risk it. But if you're going to buy a brand new car that's worth more than $30,000, you ought to get the insurance on it for a while. That type of thing. There's everything in the book. But if we just think somehow money is not important or it's not spiritual or people who are hung up on money or this or that, we're not preparing ourselves well. I love the prayer of Agur in Proverbs chapter 30. He says, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient, suitable for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of the Lord in vain. That wise prayer in Proverbs chapter 30 was saying, Lord, protect me from myself. Don't let me get too poor. Don't let me get too rich. Give me what's suitable for me that I wouldn't be so rich that I have no need of you and I forget you. Or so poor that I would yield to temptation to dishonor you and how I live. You see, money dangers demand defensive strategies. You need a good offense and you need a good defense. You need to be the boxer with one hand up. I don't know how they box. I have no idea how they do. But they always seem to have one hand protecting themselves and the other hand, jab, 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 jab. Yeah, I, I know you were really impressed with that. I might change my career there. We need both. Number four, money can reward you. Money cannot reward you like God can reward you. It says in verse four, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor. I'm going to fly over that. Good stuff. Meditate on it. There is so much truth in the scriptures. Five, I'm going to fly over that. Money makers must beware of crooks. We talked a little bit about that, but you could even see that in verse five. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Number six, money matters require teaching and training. I'm going to slow down on this one and then park on the next one. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You could apply that in a million ways. We had parenting class and several people quoted that verse. We come, it applies in discipline and all kinds of things. Can I tell you, it applies with finances too. You see, here in the United States of America, we tend to get really like private about money and have all kinds of boundaries, and I suppose we should, you know, protect from identity fraud and all that kind of stuff. But even in talking to others, it's not like that in Samoa. It's totally different there. They just ask you Straight out. When we bought our Ford Ranger Diesel extra cab pickup, I love my pickup. When we got that out there, every single person we met, so how much did you pay for it? How much did you pay for it? And I would try to answer like up here. And someone asks you that direct question up here. You're like, hmm, 
that are rude and you find a nice way. Oh, well, the Lord provided. Thank God for him. Yes, it was a sacrifice. You, know, you try to say something like that, not over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how much? How much? How much? Because they talk in a different way there. But over here, we can be so private. I was raised by two CPAs. But we never talked about personal finances. Mom and dad, and I'm not trying to say negative things about my parents. I love them. But we just didn't do that. I would listen to them at the dinner table talking about their clients. If any of you know the Ziegenfusses with the trucks, I heard about them all the time at dinner. Did you do the amortization schedule and the blah and the blah and the what and the depreciation? They would talk in accounting terms and talk about stuff at dinner because they worked together. But they didn't sit with us and say, this is how you handle money. These are the traps. These are the this. These are that. Train up your child in this area. Don't make the mistake that I did, and a lot of you I know are, your children are grown, so you're kind of in, in my boat. But those with younger children, don't make the mistake of leaving that teaching to the world or leaving them unable to know how to deal with a car purchase or a house purchase or these type of things. <clears throat> Train them up in that area. It is so vitally important. I think we're doing a poor job in that area Oh, that's good. He got rid of that background. Go on to number seven, please, and everybody read this verse together. Begin. Look at the screen. Thank you very much. As yours is as clear as mine, and let's read that together. Begin. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I hope on this first night as we look at this that you will leave with a couple things but that one of the biggest things you'll leave with is a holy hatred for debt. That you will say, debt is something I don't want in my life. And I will get rid of every kind of debt I can until the only thing I'm focusing is on my house, and I will even attack that. Because you go to buy a mortgage, and they're going to try to convince you to get a 30-year mortgage instead of a 15 and most of us won't go online and simply click on mortgage calculator and find one of them and put in principal put in interest and put in years jody will tell you talk to her she'll be able to point out where those are some of our real estate people know exactly what i'm talking about and we won't know see we look so often as americans we look at it can I afford the payment? And I just want to say, stop it. And instead ask, can I afford the price? Can I afford the payment? I can get this phone, the fanciest phone in the world, because I need a, a super-duper excellent great camera on my phone, and I need this feature, and I need that feature, and I need the earbuds that go with it, and then this and then that, and I need every little feature that goes with this new phone, because after all, my phone's over a year old. Can I afford it? Well, yes, well, just adjust your bill to $17.99 more per month. You could trade in your old phone and get your new phone. And we won't sit there and calculate how much that phone will really cost over time. People will buy a house that way. People will buy a car that way with the financing, and they're out. Money is currency, and it travels in a current. I'm going to leave you with a couple video clips 
here from Dave Ramsey that have to deal with the topic of debt. There are three things you can do with money. Spend it, save it, and give it. This week we're dealing with spending, and next week we're going to go into budgeting, so shaping how you spend your money and saving. But let's get a little bit more about this whole topic of debt and get really allergic to it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. What happens to us when we get out of school? We get married, right? No, this is not marriage. Some, some of us got married. Some of you are still single. That's either way is fine. But we get out, we get started, right? And we got a little bit of a student loan debt, maybe. Maybe we got a little bit of a, a MasterCard debt. Sharon and I got started like this, and we started off broke. Borrower is slave to the lender. Larry Burkett used to say that we spend the first five to seven years of our marriage trying to attain the same standard of living as our parents. Only it took them 35 years to get there. We were living in the same neighborhood as mom and dad, driving a better car than mom and dad, and for sure had a better stereo than mom and dad. <laughs> the problem is lots of couples look like this in North America today. 52% of the marriages now end in divorce. The number one cause of divorce, financial problems. The number one cause of divorce big time in the first seven years of marriage, financial problems. You know why people get divorced when they're like this? Their leg gets tired. <laughs> When we went broke, we hit bottom, and we discovered God's word says the borrower is slave to the lender. And we started feeling like this. We started feeling like a slave. And we decided no matter what it takes, we're going to get out. And we started driving old beat-up cars, started working unbelievable hours. Our kids grew up in consignment, yes, experienced clothing. But their college fund was funded, Oshkosh bagosh. And we made a decision we weren't going to live like this. And we worked and worked and worked. We didn't get out of debt as fast as a lot of our listeners, a lot of Financial Peace University graduates do it a lot faster because we can show you how. And now you can believe nobody was telling anybody to do this stuff in those days. And I'm just scratching and digging and, and everybody's making fun of us. And they're going, you know, I think that bankruptcy that you went through damaged you. And I'm like, yes, it did. <laughs> it damaged me to the point that I saw the truth. And I don't want to be in these anymore. Jesus said it's tough to serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And then the proverb says the borrower is slave to the lender. And so I decided master card was actually named appropriately. And I'm not going to live my life this way anymore. And I'm going to do what it takes to get out. And I am never going back. Finally. We even got the house paid off. Now, the Bible does not say that debt is a sin. I don't believe that. And the Bible certainly does not say that debt affects your salvation. That's not the issue. The issue is your loving Heavenly Father repeatedly through Scripture has nothing good to say. There's not one time in here there's one positive reference to debt. You're a fool, you're a slave, you're one lacking in sense. All of these things apply to someone who uses debt. Warning, 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 warning. There's no, no one in here that's a sophisticated financial person that says there's good debt and there's bad debt. None of that's in here. And so you've got to step back as a person of faith with an intellect and make a decision, is this correct or is my broke finance professor correct? You see, I think a broke finance professor is like a shop teacher with missing fingers. <laughs> Something's wrong.
That's the decision I had to make when we went broke. And I decided I'm going to count on Scripture. As an evangelical Christian, I've read through it. I've studied it for years. I've been challenged in debates. No one has ever been able to show me one time God used debt as a tool to bless his people. It's not in there. And for the sake of time, we'll go right on to the last one. And I couldn't find it in Scripture. And I was reading through Proverbs because, listen, there's 31 Proverbs if you read one a day. You get your little spiritual vitamin, right? And if you read Proverbs over and over again and understand it, you'll have a master's degree in finance. It's in there. It's unbelievable. It's the book of wisdom, right? And so I'm reading through Proverbs, and I have Proverbs 6, 1 through 7. And it says, if you've signed surety, my son, do this. Now, that's old English Bible talk for if you've gotten into debt, here's the plan. Now, I had a spiritual experience with God a few years ago. I discovered God is smarter than me. And so when I see a formula like that pop up in front of me, my ears perk up. If you've gotten into debt, do this. And I got my, I'm like, oh, here it is. Here's the biblical answer for how to get out of debt. Wow, I'm ready. It says, give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids, and deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, some of you are very reverent in your interaction with God, and he tolerates me. It's called grace. And, and so I'm sitting there reading this, and I'm like, you were going to tell me like, how to get out of debt and how to get people out of debt, and you give me animal metaphors. What am I supposed to do with gazelles and birds? Really, come on. Nothing. Crickets. Can't hear a thing, right? So that night he answered my prayer. I was scanning the channels, and I hit the Discovery Channel, and there were the gazelles. They were out there gazelling around. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I was just reading about you guys. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. This is how you get out of debt. I thought, that's pretty cool. And, and you know the Discovery Channel was not there if, if the gazelles were there by themselves, don't you? You know someone else was there looking for lunch in all the right places, don't you? You know, and the gazelles, I don't know if you know this, they have a cheetah detector behind their ear and they go, cheetah, run! Because the gazelles know that they cannot outrun the cheetah. The cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. He can go from zero to 47 miles an hour in four leaps. The gazelle cannot outrun the cheetah. And we had to slow this down so I don't have time to talk. Bad cat is seriously fast. And these gazelles, man, they are running for their lives. That's what they're doing. Look, he picked out a college student. Hey, kid. Hey, kid, come here. Hey, kid. Kid, you need to build up your FICO score. Hey, kid. You'll never get a cell phone if you don't have a credit score. Come here. Come here, kid. Come here, kid. I got a free T-shirt for you, kid. Come here. Let me tell you, God says this is how you get out of debt. You got to run for your life. You got to put it in gear. You got to run, 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 run. You got to bust it. You got to bust it. You got to go like your life depends on it. You got to have gazelle intensity. You got to put it in gear like you've never put it in gear. You can wander into debt. But you cannot wander out. you got to have this sense of passion, this sense of attack. 
Here's an interesting thing. God does not make mistakes with metaphors. As I got to studying this, it's very, very interesting. The cheetah only catches the gazelle, even though the cheetah is faster, he only catches the gazelle one out of 19 chases. Hmm. I got to thinking, I wonder why that is. And then it hit me. Motivation. <laughs> one guy's trying to have lunch, the other one's trying to stay alive! <laughs> you got to have this sense of gazelle intensity to get out of that. When you get that stuff boiling up inside of you, when you have what Les Brown says, he says, when, you've been, when you change your life, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you get disgusted and you have that moment where you say, I've had it. I am not going to live like this anymore. This is the last Ramsey in this family tree that's ever going to have one of those collectors call our house unless it's a wrong number. We're done. We're changing this thing. you got to have that sense of power. So gazelle intensity is how you get out of debt. It, 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 and let me just tell you, the more passionate you become, the deeper you will sacrifice. And the deeper you sacrifice, the more money is freed up, and the faster you'll clean up the mess. And the faster you clean up the mess, the faster you don't have any payments, the faster you build wealth. There's a direct tie, a direct relationship statistically with the level of passion, the depth of the sacrifice, and the results you get in this class and as you live out these God, these God-ordained principles for handling money. I said from early on I hope to instill a holy hatred for debt. I don't know if that's the best phrase. I just liked how it sounded. I hope that you will have an attitude toward debt that it is something I don't want in my life in any form at all. And many of us have it. Many of us have had it. The one speaking to you was under a crushing weight of debt. Praise God, His Word works. Money matters, and being on the other side of it allowed me to follow God's leading where he would take me. It allowed me to say, yes, I'll come here, back to New Jersey. It opened doors for me, and it got so many things out of the way. I would want that for every one of God's children. I would want young people under the teaching and as we go through this, our young college students, young adults, to say, I will never get into debt. And if I have a little bit here and there, I'm going to catch this now. And we will build on it next week because you might say, well, I have no debt, but I'm this old and I also have no savings. I have no debt, but I don't really plan how I use my money. I'm in a time in my life, I don't, other people aren't dependent on me, I don't have children, I don't have this, so I'm kind of free to live paycheck to paycheck, money in and money out, and that's something to worry about later. You are wasting valuable, valuable time where you could position yourself. We'll talk about budgeting, we'll talk about investing, we'll talk about... <laughs> 
He's 25, 26-year-old, 28-year-old, 30, 32, 34-year-olds. If now you can get out of debt and start investing much smaller amounts, what that can build to later in life, rather than being like Jim Savalli, who woke up at 50 years old with $79,000 of debt and almost nothing put away from retirement who now has to chunk tons into retirement because he's way behind and it can't possibly build and compound interest like what you can do at a young age. There is so much great teaching that can position you for God to do great things through you, even in that area. But we got to get it from the word. I would challenge you this. When you say, I'm going to read my Bible in a year, Why don't you do this? Say, I'm going to read the Bible from beginning to end and take note of every time it speaks of possessions, wealth, money, gold, silver. I'm going to look at the Bible through that lens and try to glean everything it has for me. And I think you can be greatly blessed and be a great blessing to many people. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, love you, and praise you. I pray that these very practical teachings from your word will be used greatly for your glory and that it would be used for the good of many in this church. I pray for those who have knowledge and experience and have success in this area would realize that they have the ability to mentor and teach and train others as well. Help us in this And bless these dear people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.